Chapter 1 The Maestro Arrives In a mere two days, that preeminent virtuoso of the violin, Master Darian Reynard, will grace the stage at King's Theatre. Ladies, keep your smelling salts close at hand, for Master Reynard is renowned for leaving a swath of swooning in the wake of his performances. The London Engager, November 1830 The melody threading through Clara Becker's mind stopped, snipped by the angry voices penetrating the study door. She sat back in the cracked leather chair and put down her pen, the musical notes wavering on the page before her tired eyes. The ache in her shoulders and hand, distant when she was caught up in composing, now pulsed distractingly, vying with the landlady's shrill tone to fragment her concentration. If you don't deliver the rent tomorrow, you're on the street. Out, I say. The landlady's voice was nearly a shriek. You've been late one too many times, Mr. Becker. I've a mind to send my sons over tonight to pitch you out. We will have the money, Papa said, his cane thumping the floorboards for emphasis. But now you must leave. The fire in the small hearth had burned down to nothing but sullen embers. Clara covered her ears with her chilled hands and hummed under her breath, trying desperately to recapture the music. If she did not finish this piece, they were ruined. Please, Mrs. Tench, her brother Nicholas spoke. By tomorrow afternoon, you'll have two months' rent in hand. You know, we've always managed before. The voices faded. Thank goodness. Nicholas was moving the landlady toward the front door. Clara let out a breath and closed her eyes. The door slammed, and blessed quiet filled the house. It was a strained silence, but it was enough. The music sprang into her mind once more. Bright strands of melody flung against a somber background. She took up a pen and bent to the page, letting the notes inside her mind transport her to a distant, splendid place. A place far away from the reality of their cramped lodging, the worry that shaded her days, the hoarded coals that barely kept the chill of November from biting to the bone. There was nothing now but the notes unfolding. She sang the refrain under her breath, the dip and scratch of her pen keeping a steady rhythm. Time fell away until she inked in the final double bar. Finished. Clara pulled her frayed shawl tightly about her shoulders. The music was complete. The window in her soul shuttered and she felt like ashes, the dun and dross left by a consuming fire. She could hear Papa and Nicholas at odds again, despite their attempt to whisper. Her brother's voice rose in counterpoint to her father's gruff tone. She rubbed at her forehead. Papa would win the disagreement, in this as in all things. Though she appreciated Nicholas's support, It would be easier for her to compose if the house were not so often filled with unhappy tension. Still, argument was better than that terrible month when Nicholas had not spoken at all. She blew lightly across the page until the ink no longer gleamed and gathered the rest of the manuscript. 
The chair scraped across the floor as she stood, and the arguing voices stilled. Clara was not surprised to pull the door open and find both her brother and father waiting. Their faces were filled with anticipation, though in Papa's case, it took years of familiarity to identify any change in his usual dour expression. Finished, Papa said. It was not a question. He did not wait for her to nod, but gestured to Nicholas. Give it to your brother, so we may hear it. Nicholas gave her a smile, as weak as the light from the single lamp in the room. A lock of his overlong blonde hair fell across one eye as he glanced toward the piano. It was not as though she were incapable of sitting at the instrument and performing the music herself. As children of a music master, both she and her brother were accomplished pianists. But Papa felt it best that Nicholas play the music as soon as she had finished the composition— It was a ritual now. Nicholas would play it, and the music would no longer be hers.